The winner of American Idol 2002 is Kelly Clarkson. The winner of American Idol season 15 is Trent Harmon! Well, can anyone take a guess on what we might be talking about here this morning? And if you're a visitor, you may be thinking, what is up with this church? Or if you've been away for a while on vacation. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Cheryl Lackey, pastor for our community of women here at Grace Chapel. Um, welcome to uh, all of you here in Lexington, as well as East Lexington, Watertown, Wilmington, and those of us watching online. We're really good to have, it's really good to have you with us here this morning. And it is good to be together this morning as we continue our summer series called Icons. It's been fun, hasn't it, to learn a little bit about our pastors and just some of the things that they like and to take a deeper look, really, into what God may be speaking into our culture. Tim kicked things off a few weeks back with a message titled, How Loving Star Wars Made Me Love Jesus More. I know it does get a few giggles, doesn't it? Then last week, Ruthie shared her love for Disney movies and challenged us to ask ourselves, what's missing? I have the privilege this week to engage with you around reality shows, TV shows. And we're not talking about here this morning about just, you know, any reality show, because there are dozens of them around. But unashamedly, I have a love for a certain genre of reality shows. And so we're going to talk about that here this morning. You know, people spend hundreds, probably even thousands of hours uh, just drawn into the drama. But we don't have time to go into the many reasons for all of those. Just We're just going to focus on one area this morning, and that's talent reality shows. Um, just a few of the ones that I really do and watch, enjoy watching together. And then consider together this phenomenon of reality TV that draws out bad and good truth in us. I think David in the Old Testament Psalms gives voice to both. And the New Testament writer Paul leads us into the best possible truth about our truest identity. So that's where we're headed together this morning. Sound good? All right, great. The very title, American Idol, conjures up the idea that there is a person of status to be worshipped. Kelly Clarkson, who we saw in that video, who won that first year, she looked pretty young, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, made me feel a little bit old, actually, because I, I remember that <laughs> when she won. Um, but does anyone know who won season eight? Does anybody know who that is? 
Uh-huh, some of you trying to figure it out. Now, I wouldn't expect you to know, but I know who won season eight. That's Chris Allen. You know how I know? Because he lived 30 minutes down the road from me in Conway, Arkansas, when I lived in Little Rock, Arkansas for almost 20 years. Like the rest? Uh, yeah, I know. Okay. Just for the record, I didn't make that sign. We actually borrowed it from some teenage girls because we wanted to get in on the fun. But it was a fun day. It's when he visited, did the hometown visits. But like the um, rest of the natural state, I really did become, as you can tell, a little bit obsessed with Chris Allen, which with each week the excitement grew. And I am pretty sure that the entire pretty small state texted their vote multiple times including me, <laughs> so that he could win. And I think he was pretty shocked, too, by that picture. He was pretty shocked, too, when he did win. Believe it or not, the first reality TV show debuted in the 70s. But in many ways, American Idol catapulted reality TV into the spotlight in 2002. It had a 15-season run. It was on for 15 years. Rival TV executives described it as the most impactful show in TV history. More 18 to 34-year-olds voted um, in the last election, excuse me, voted, if I can get this right, voted in season two than in the last presidential election. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. <laughs> kind of begs the question, who are we worshiping? The Voice is another top-rated reality, uh, top reality show. And for anyone who knows me at all, you really don't even have to know me all that well. You've probably heard it at some point or another. The staff knows this very well about me now. <laughs> but The Voice is probably my all-time favorite TV show ever. <laughs> I rose to my feet many a night last winter uh, to cheer on Jordan Smith who eventually won season nine. My neighbors probably thought, who is that crazy woman from the South? What is she doing up there, jumping up and down? Jordan's version of Queen's original hit, Somebody to Love, garnered nearly 17 million YouTube views. He knocked highly acclaimed singer Adele off the top spot on iTunes with that performance. Jordan's high-pitched voice didn't match his appearance and his appearance baffled a watching world, unsure what to make of it all. Coach Adam Levine called Jordan the most important person to ever be on The Voice. And another winner of The Voice just this past season, Allison Porter, the mom from Worcester, a childhood star who battled drug and alcohol abuse. Sober for eight years, Porter auditioned and received a four-chair turn, which means all the coaches wanted her on their team. Porter, in many ways, is the success story that everyone wants to believe can happen. So what is it about reality TV that draws millions of viewers in each week to want to be just so glued to what's going on and what's gonna happen every week? Do we worship an image of what we think we're supposed to be? Or maybe we think we'll feel better about ourselves if people think better of us. A fairly recent study connected our love for these shows to status as what drives us to watch. 
According to the study, by watching, some people feel more important than the ordinary person that they're watching on TV or online. When people with less talent performed, celebrity judges on American Idol, for instance, they uncontrollably laughed at times, which propelled this, um, this thought of that less than status that could lead viewers to think, well, I'm not that bad, or I'd never do that. The study also revealed how status can motivate us to want to be more. We connect with the ordinary person who's performing, identify with their personal story, watch the contestant improve each week, and think, well, he's important, so I'm important. If she could do that, so can I. While others might even fantasize, I can gain celebrity status if I'm on television. <laughs> and believe me, as a former TV personality, it is not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> This idea of status and how people internalize these type reality shows speaks to the very definition of the word idol, an object of extreme devotion, a false god. It's what David knew to be true of his heart. In Psalm 139, verse 24, David cried out to God, see if there is any idolatrous tendency in me. When we need to think of ourselves as better than or elevate a person's um, status, whether it's our own or someone else's, in order to feel important or be valued, that's idolatry. So the bad truth is every one of us fights idolatry in our hearts. Every one of us. I mentioned that I was on TV and I will admit that I loved seeing myself on television. In the very early days when I was, had only been on, it's like, you know, in the first few months, I would literally, uh, back in those days, it took a lot longer to get the videos, the stories to the main station, but I would get all that done and I would literally get in my car and rush home so I could see myself on television. <laughs> That is a true confession right here. <laughs> I loved being admired, right? I loved that people knew me, identified me. But thankfully, the Lord also knows us, and he knows how to humble us when he's preparing us for a greater work, <laughs> for his glory and not ourselves. So, the bad truth is, Reality shows can bring out the pretender, the imposter, the idols in all of our hearts. But since I and probably many of you do love to watch some of these reality TV shows, the bad truth about us doesn't need to have the final vote. <laughs> it doesn't need to have the final vote because God empowers and calls us to a greater truth. When we hear stories like Chris Allen, the small town boy who made it big, Jordan Smith who embraced his differentness 
and America embraced him. Alison Porter, the mom who got a second shot at life. She gave people hope, status, stories, and the state of our own heart. When we watch real people like you and me use their gifts and talents, it can also remind us that we too have a story. And just maybe, just maybe, we have something to offer this world. I think culture can whisper God's greater story to us when we watch shows like American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, because it speaks to the good truth, the greater truth about who God is as our creator. For every person across our campuses and online, infant to elder, and everyone in between. God made each of us in his image to use our unique gifts to glorify him. We don't need anyone's vote, hashtag, or text for God to value us. So let's consider this good truth that we each have a unique gift to offer this world. The reality of who God is and who we are in him can get silenced by the messages, right, that we hear that tell us we're not good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, old or young enough. But God put each of us here for a purpose, something only we can do not in a fatalistic or self-serving way, but by God's intentional plan for you and for me. My friend and author Bill Hendricks released a book uh, last year titled The Person Called You. Its premise is that God created each of us with unique giftedness. Hendricks says as image bearers, every time someone looks at you, whether they realize it or not, whether you realize it or not, They're seeing a unique expression of God that they otherwise wouldn't see. He goes on to say that when we live out of our giftedness, the unique way God made us, we impact the world for good. And again, not in a self-absorbed way like reality shows can get us to focus on, but to open us up to the greater truth, to do what only you can do to the glory of God. In the Old and New Testament, we find scripture that speaks to this idea of our unique design formed by our creator, God. I mentioned that David knew the propensity of the bad truth that resided in his heart, but he also knew the good truth. Let's look a few verses earlier in Psalm 139 at verses 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God created your DNA and knit your frame in secret before you were ever born so you could use your unique gifts to bless this world. A few other observations from these verses. The writer David acknowledges God as the master craftsman. The imagery is tapestry, a weaving together to create the person who is you, me. Also notice that David gives God all the credit, not himself. Looking back at verse 16 again, your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The word for ordained can also be translated as designed. Our design, our giftedness, showed up in the womb before we were ever exposed to parenting, education, or society. Sure, all of these things can help shape our gifts, but these influences aren't the origin. No one, no one can do you like you because God ordained designed you to be uniquely you. (laughs) Think about your children. Are any two of them alike? From infancy, you begin to see their distinct personalities, the activities they're drawn to, an inclination your son or daughter has to do something naturally well. What you see in your child is what Hendrix emphasizes in his book. When God looks at you, he sees sees himself in a way he sees in no one else. It may also be helpful to look at the definition of unique. The dictionary offers this. Unique, sole example of, prototype, or only one, unequaled. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel especially loved, extremely loved by God. And it also encourages me to press in all the more into my God-given gifts so that I can be a part of the redeeming work that God is doing here, here today that will shine for him to do what only I can do to the glory of God. Everyone, everyone has a unique gift to offer this world. I mentioned Jordan Smith earlier, season nine winner of The Voice. He was an unknown to most viewers, but he was always known to God. The unique gift of his voice was undeniable. Viewers saw the surprised look on the coaches' faces as their chairs turned on that first audition. With his high-pitched voice, they expected to see a woman. Jordan said in his time on The Voice, I am different, my voice is different, and I'm not afraid to show that. 
Let's listen to a short clip of the night he performed Queen's Somebody to Love. Now, a little warning, if you're sleepy, I don't think you will be after we watch this clip. Just a warning. Let's watch. stay still, right, With when you watch that and that kind of talent. He took them all to church, I think, <laughs> right? Several reports and comments from coaches expressed Jordan's humility about his faith, that he gave Jesus Christ all the credit for anything that he was able to accomplish. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's great, Cheryl, but I don't sing like that. <laughs> well, neither do I. <laughs> but you may be thinking, I don't have any gift that that, that's that profound. Well, maybe your gift just doesn't seem that profound to you. You haven't had your 15 minutes of fame. People aren't voting you into stardom. There's no hashtag with your name on it proving your value. But what is that thing that only you can do? And when you do it, you make a beautiful melody to the Lord. What do you find joy in doing? You feel great satisfaction in accomplishing you lose track of time because you love creating that thing. Maybe you use food and other means to create an unforgettable experience for people. Or maybe you like to bring structure into unorganized messes. Maybe it's to give insight and understanding to help your friends at school or your coworkers. When you do 
what only you can do to the glory of God. That is your unique gift that you have to offer this world. That's when God whispers his greater story of redemption through you into the culture. The writer Paul of the New Testament book Ephesians also penned a verse that parallels Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. And I want us to take a look at that this morning. That's Ephesians 2.10. To give some context, in verses 1 through 3, Paul asserts who we are before Christ redeemed us. And in verses 4 through 10, we find our new position by God's grace who made us alive with him. The NASB and Net Bible both translate verse 10 this way. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The word workmanship, um, it's always stood out to me and why this is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. It's similar to Psalm 139 where God is the master craftsman. In verse 10, workmanship denotes a work of art or a masterpiece. We, we are his masterpiece, not human works, but his works. God's workmanship in you and in me results in the good works that he has for us to do. I love that. (laughs) Good works can be seen as acts of charity. Yeah, I think we can definitely view that, um, this text that way. But the word workmanship seems to bring into view an even more intentional purpose. The Greek word for workmanship is poema, which is where we get the English word poem. Paul says, you are his poem, his work of art. What incredible value we have because of Christ's finished work on the cross and because God designed you and me on purpose, with a purpose. He sovereignly placed us on this earth at this time to do only what we can do to the glory of God. Your unique gift, or as my friend Bill Hendricks describes it, your giftedness empowers you and me to have an effect on this world. What is it that only you can do only you can do to the glory of God. And that leads me to a second good truth. You know, I thought about this, like I got so excited about season nine when Jordan Smith won. And I had a little bit of a aha moment back in December about what that was all about. So of course I posted it on Facebook. (laughs) Here's what I posted. I do believe this is the best season of The Voice yet. If you don't watch the show, do yourself a favor and start. Incredible talent. There's just something about watching people help others become a better version of themselves, mentoring at its best. Not only do we each have a unique gift to offer this world, but we are all stars in God's greater story as we help each other flourish in our gift. 
Pastor and author John Ortberg says, your longing to be all you were meant to be is an echo, a whisper of God's longing to begin the new creation. The more concerned you are with your own fulfillment, the less fulfilled you'll be. But when you help others flourish, you help in God's recreation of the world he wants to see. Jesus in Matthew 5, 14 through 16 from the message says this, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, You don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Who could you, who could I be generous to with our life? Practically speaking, when you intentionally invest in a person in order to help them grow in their gift of leadership or another spiritual gift, when you do that, you're building into God's kingdom according to his design. Or when you meet a young man or woman making poor choices, get to know her, listen, not to change her, that's God's job. But remember, we each have a unique gift to offer this world. And your words may be what sets that woman free in God's divine direction. Every time you volunteer in Kidstown or youth ministry, Every time you do that, there's a child to encourage as you take time to observe what their unique gift may be. There are stars all around us if we will give of our time to really invest in one another. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, our chief want is someone who will inspire us to be what we know we could be. God is ultimately that someone. But he puts us in community with each other so that we, together, we can be part of his redeeming work. Reality TV does draw out the bad and the good truth in us. But let's elevate our greatest status, living as God's image bearers, who reflect his redemptive truth into the culture. As we close this morning, I wanna leave us with three practical questions to consider. Do you know your unique gift and need to use it to glorify God? Who can you come alongside to help flourish in their unique gift? Or do you need to ask for help in discovering your gifts? Perhaps you're unsure about that. I was talking with many a people out in the lobby about that this morning who were wanting more help and wanting help in understanding how to go about that. 
Ask people closest to you, and this is important, who will give you honest feedback. Trusted counsel sees you. They see the joy that you have in doing something. They can tell instantly where you find that great satisfaction in something that you're accomplishing. Or contact the church. We have resources. Uh, In the book that I've been mentioning this morning, The Person Called You, there's a step-by-step guide to help you discover your giftedness. God is always whispering his greater story through his creation. Do what only you can do to the glory of God because we are all stars in our creator's eyes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of who you say we are that is found in your timeless and true word. Life is so much sweeter lived according to your purposes by your design. May we each take steps to live at our unique gifts, to glorify you, and may we look around for others who we can help in this journey together to discover our gifts and shine brightly, Father, and glorify and make an impact in this world for you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray by your spirit. Amen.